So praise God. Well, um, I'm excited about the message here and what we're, what we're going to experience. But I just want to, you know, just kind of reiterate again some things I shared last week. And, um, you know, there's a lot of moving parts that are happening right now in our world. You know, and of course, we're always, that those things are always happening. But it seems more prevalent now with the things that are happening with Russia and with Ukraine and with the inflation. They, I was watching the news the other evening, and they had a reporter standing in Los Angeles, California, and in the background, whether, whether he, where he or she was doing the report, there was one of the big gasoline signs, and the, the, the gas price was over $7 a gallon in, in, in Los Angeles. Their prices are high anyway because they pay a lot of taxes. People don't realize that there's other things that, that, uh, that push the price of gasoline up besides oil, and one of them is taxes. So if you live in a state like California or New York, your, your, your gasoline price is probably going to be a lot. But $7, um, that's a lot of money. And, um, and, you know, food prices, inflation, it, it's affected a lot of things. And I say this to our congregation and to our churches, those things that are happening in our world can bring anxiety and fear into our lives. And it's important for us as Christians not to fall for that, not, not to fall into that trap of anxiety and fear because we are, we are in Christ. We, we are Christians. We, we, sang that, we sang that song, my, my Christ is my firm foundation, my anchor to the ground. Okay, so that foundation will not be moved. Gas could be $100 a gallon, and, and, and Russia could take over all the countries, and my foundation is still firm in Christ. So we have to remind ourselves of that, and I would just encourage you um, to, to limit, not eliminate, but, but limit the amount of time that you spend absorbing the news. You know, it used to be back in the day you only watched it for maybe an hour or 30 minutes in the evening. Now it's like social media and all the outlets and, and places we have to go and grab information. And if you saturate yourself with that, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be afraid. Because the world, they're just constantly telling you that it's, it's fear. It's fear. And, and, what is, and, and, God, and God, God, that's not what God's word is. God has not given us a spirit of fear. So, so we have to keep our eyes on God. And so when we, we, we need to consume ourselves with the word of God, the truth of what the word of God says. And God's word will guide us into all truth. It will keep, keep you on a steady and firm foundation. And the word of God will fill you with hope and with peace. That, that's what we need. The world needs hope and they need peace. And, it's, and that's found in God's word. Not on the 30-minute you know, broadcast on the news every afternoon. It's found in the word of God. And so this is an example in Psalms 46. It says, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I love that, I love that passage of scripture. And, and one thing you note there in that scripture verse, it's interesting in verse 7 and verse 11 are identical. They're, they're exactly the same. And so you ask yourself, well, why, why did the psalmist, why did he write the same uh, verse twice. Well, I believe it was for emphasis. They, they wanted, the, the writer wanted to emphasize that the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. There's emphasis with that. God is with us. So that's important for us to understand that. But verse 10 there, 
you know, and I believe somebody in here, you know, needs to receive this, that God tells us to be still and know that I am God. And there's two other translations I picked up on this that kind of give a little bit more insight to this. If, if Ruby wants to put those on the screen there, it's be still and know, recognize, understand that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. And then another translation says, be still, be calm, see, and understand I am the true God. I, I am honored among all the nations. I am honored over all the earth. And I, I love that, you know, that those other translations kind of add a little bit of emphasis and understanding to what the writer was saying there. And it's like, it's like the Lord is telling, telling us in all the things that are happening in the world, God is reminding us to be still, to be calm. And notice that first, the verse could have said, it could have said, be still, I am God. Well, what does it say? It says, be still and know. In other words, com contemplate, you know, consider, uh, uh, meditate, understand, know. Why? God's in charge. God's in control, and I, and I just think there's so much, there's so much peace that, that, um, that'll, that, that'll rest on us if we will just accept and just receive the, see, that, that, that's just, just a few verses there, five verses, that, that, and just this, that, that alone right there, it's so uplifting and it's so encouraging, and it's so opposite of what we're hearing from the world. So just remember, we're, the, we're Christians. We're, we're, not, we're, we're in the world, the Bible says, but we're not of the world. We're not like the world. We, we have a firm foundation in Jesus Christ. And so I just want to, just want to get that out there, you know, to, to, to be at peace, be calm. I love that. Be still and know that I am God. I, I love that. That is so reassuring. It's so confident. But today, um, we're, we're going to, you know, this is the first Sunday of the month, and every Sunday our church celebrates or recognizes communion um, and, and I'm excited about this. I, you know, we should be excited every time we do this, but I'm, I'm just, for some reason, God's really moving on me as, we, as, we, um, as I was preparing this message for this. And um, so, but I wanted to share, you know, we call communion the Lord's Supper. And, um, and really, if you read the Bible, um, the phrase the Lord's Supper is only mentioned once in the New Testament, you know, which is kind of surprising because that's what we refer to it as, is the... As, as the Lord's Supper, and the phrase is mentioned in Corinthians, and Paul was using the phrase to correct the Corinthian church because he's, he, when they were coming together to celebrate the communion or celebrate the Lord's Supper, Paul was correcting them because he says they were coming and they were treating it really only as a, as a supper, as a meal, not as a recognition or the occasion of what it represented. And some of them, were, were, they were coming and they were rushing to grab the food and, and instead of waiting for everybody to get served, the ones who got there first got the food, and they would sit down, and they, would, they were eating real fast, and they weren't respecting others and to wait. So, um, but we, we use the phrase, we use the phrase, the, Lord, the Lord's Supper. But, you know, for us, com the communion, and I've said this before, communion can become a religious ceremony. It, it, it can become a tradition where we just simply go through the motions and, um, but we need to understand that communion is not a religious practice. It's meant for us to remember what the Lord has done for us. It's, it's a remembrance. It's a reminder. And, and it is so critical to the foundation of everything we believe as Christians is, is found in what we celebrate when, when we take the Lord's Supper. We take, 
we take communion. But when you read the Bible, and this is so important for us to get this as believers, the origin of the Lord's Supper began all the way back in the book of Exodus. You know, we look at it as a New Testament thing, but the, but the, the origin and the, and the understanding of really what it means is really found, is really found in, the, in the Old Testament. And, the, and um, the Israelites were instructed to celebrate the Lord's Passover. That, that's what God had told them to do, and that's what I titled the message today is celebrating the Lord's Passover. And this is what we too celebrate when we take communion. And we're going to look at this as I move along here. But, you know, really, you know, in, in some denominations, when they take communion, and, and, and it's not wrong, we, we need, there needs to be a sense of awe and respect of God when we come into the house of God. I, I believe that. But there also needs to be a sense of freedom and celebration. Like, and, and, and sometimes when people take communion, they, they're real somber, and it's like, am I going to say the wrong word, do the wrong thing, step the wrong way, act the wrong way, or whatever, and they're real like, it's like, a, and, 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 and really we need to elevate that to be in a place of celebration. We're celebrating something big that God, that God has done for us. And so, yes, it's, it, it's somber in the sense that God's done this for us, but we should also look at it as something we celebrate, and something we should be something we should be excited about. So, um, the new we need to understand the significance of the original Passover and how it pertains to our salvation and the taking of communion. That, so that's what I'm going to spend my message on today is really kind of going back to the to, to the book of Exodus and looking at the original Passover. But but just to give you a little history, and most of you who are versed in the Bible, you you know the history of the Old Testament. Um, the, the, um, the nation of Israel was inflicted, they were inflicted as slaves in, in Egypt for over 400 years, the Bible says. And it's interesting when we look at the um, nation of Israel, and this could be a whole other message, but some of us really forget, how did the Israelites end up in Egypt? It was because of Joseph. And it was because of Joseph's, his brother's jealousy of Joseph. The Bible says they sold him into slavery, and Joseph ended up going to Egypt. And how did, how did Jacob and all his family end up coming to Egypt? It was because of the famine, and that God, God had given Joseph the ability to be able to interpret the dreams that Pharaoh had, and, and there was going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. So what God, God used that, and Joseph was able to rescue his family, save, save his family, and, and, the, and, and, uh, and Jacob and his family, they moved, the Bible says, to the land of Goshen, which was in, which was in the region of the, land of the land of Egypt. So it's important for us to know all this, that the reason why that's important for me is these things were not just accidental. Right. It wasn't just like accidental that Joseph had, had brothers that were jealous, and okay, we're just going to kill him, okay, we're not going to kill him, we're going to sell him into slavery, and oh, it just happened, just by happen chance, Joseph ends up in Egypt. And this is what happened, chance Joseph gets raised up to be second in command of Pharaoh. Those are not coincidental. Those are divine things that were ordered by God for a specific purpose that leads all the way back to the very thing that you and I are celebrating here today. That is so important for us to get that and connect, connect the pieces and put all, pull all those pieces together. So they were slaves in Egypt, but God raised up a deliverer. His, his, name, was, his name was Moses. And God had called Moses and God instructed Moses to go to Pharaoh and God told Moses to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Like Pharaoh was just going to do that, you know. And, but Moses, Moses did that. And if you read the, 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 the account in, in Exodus, um, you, you look, it was the plagues that God had caused. Pharaoh's heart became extremely hard. 
and, and, and God sent plagues. There was the, the plague of flies, the plague of locusts, the plague of, plague of frogs, the hail, the boils, um, all these different things. And they, they, were, they were severe. I mean, they were, they were unbelievable plagues that God had did. And every single one of them, as they got more intense, Pharaoh would tell Moses, okay, uh, I've had enough. Uh, you, you can go. And then at the last second, he would always change. He would he would always change his mind, and the Bible says that the Lord the Lord turned Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he, he would not listen. And um, but there was one final plague that God had yet to show Pharaoh. That God told Moses, "I promise you, when this plague comes, Mo, Pharaoh's going to let going to let my people go." And it was the it was the plague of the of the killing of the firstborn of every son in Egypt. That God, that God was going to send a death angel that was going to go in every, every firstborn son in Egypt. The Bible says from the, from, the, from the man who sits on the throne of Pharaoh all the way to the prisoner that was in the dungeon, every firstborn male was, was going to die, including livestock, the Bible says. Even the, even the animals were affected by this. But God, but God had a plan of salvation to save the Israelites from the death angel. All they needed to do was follow the instruction of the Lord and obey. That's all they had to do, was follow God's instruction and obey. And this is where we pick up the story here in Exodus um, chapter 12. It says, Then Moses called all the elders of Israel together and said to them, Go pick out a lamb or young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into a basin then take a bundle of hyssop branches and dip, dip it into the blood. Brush the hyssop across the top and sides of the door frames of your houses, and no one may go out through the door until morning. For the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and sides of the door frame, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. Remember, these instructions are a permanent law that you and your descendants must observe forever. When you enter the land the Lord has promised to give you, you will continue to observe this ceremony. Then your children will ask, what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he has passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt, and though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families." When Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed down to the ground and worshipped. So the people of Israel did just as the Lord had commanded through Moses and Aaron. And that night at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn sons in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn son of the prisoner in the dungeon. Even the firstborn of their livestock were killed. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the people of Egypt woke up during the night and loud wailing was heard throughout the land of Egypt. There was not a single house where someone had not died. And we need to understand the significance of this to understand what we're celebrating today with our communion. And I just want to identify the significant elements in this passage and how to relate to what it is that we're celebrating here today. The, the, the Lord had instructed Moses to tell the people to go get a lamb. And it wasn't just any lamb, but the Lord had told Moses and instructed the people to go get a lamb that was without blemish, that was without defect. There was significance to that, and we're, we're going to look at that. But God specifically told them to get a lamb, 
And notice what the Lord said. He instructed every one of the Israelite families, every one of them had to go get their, had to have a lamb. Not just one family, and it doesn't matter if another one didn't. Every single family had to have a lamb. So that was the first significant um, element in the story was the lamb. The second one is the blood. The, the Lord told the Israelites to take the blood, take a hyssop branch and dip it in the blood of the lamb that was slaughtered. And the, the Bible says that God instructed them to take that branch and to do what? To place it all around the door frames of their house, on the sides, over the top, and you just picture this now. They, they, they're doing exactly what the Bible says. They, 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 they did exactly what it was that God instructed them to do. And they, they, they dipped just like a, like a broom. They, they, they brushed this all around the openings of their, of their door frames. And then we have the, the death angel uh, in the story. The death, the death angel was sent to kill, was sent to kill the firstborn, um, but it will, it, the death angel was not permitted to strike any of the Israelites. When he, when he sees the blood, the, the, the story says he will pass over that home. And then we have the deliverance. And that, that's what God wanted. That was God's ultimate plan for the nation of Israel, is that they would be delivered from Egyptian bondage. That, that was the ultimate goal. And God had all these plagues. And, and if Pharaoh would have just listened to one of the plagues that God had said, Pharaoh's own sons could have been spared. God could have spared the Egyptians from all of the wailing and all the crying. But their hearts, their hearts were hard, hard. But the Bible says this final event in Egypt brought the deliverance and freedom to, to, the, to the Israelites. So we have to ask ourselves, and how does this event relate to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ 1,500 years later? The, 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 the events in Exodus that we just studied, the first uh, Passover event that, that happened in the book of Exodus uh, with, the, with the nation of Israel being, being, uh, being delivered from Egypt, 1,500 years later, Christ was crucified. Yet those two have, have, are tied together. They are completely tied to one another. And then how does that relate to every single person that will ever be born on this planet? How does that relate? That's so important for us to know. So the first thing we need to understand is, as human beings... And y'all know this is true as Christians, but we need to recognize this as humans, that like the nation of Israel, we too are in slavery. We, we might not be in a dungeon. We might not be behind, behind bars. We might not have a, have a prison guard that's, that's, that's whipping us and beating us like they did the Egyptians to, to, to make the bricks and do the things that, that the Egyptians were doing. But we, we are in slavery nonetheless. And our slavery is more significant than the physical slavery that the nation of Israel was in. Our slavery is spiritual slavery. We are in slavery to sin, the Bible says. And that, that slavery affects every single person that will ever be born. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't, every single person will be infected with, that, with, with, the, with the plague of sin. We will have that in our hearts. In Romans 6, 17, it says, Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching who we have given you. See, the Bible says we were once slaves to sin. So we, we too, just like the nation of Israel, the parallel, the parallel of the events that happened with the Passover and the, and the, 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 the events that we celebrate in, with communion, they, 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 it's like a mirror. They, 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 they mimic one. They are, they are identical when we look, when we look at the, the, the comparison of the two. So we too are in slavery. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. 
you know, you can look at someone and you can say, well, that, you know, when people do this, they say, well, I'm a good person. Uh, you know, I've, I've never done this. I've never murdered. I've never committed adultery. I, I've never stolen anything. I've never done those things. And, and, and they, they look at themselves based on their actions, on, on, their, on, their, on their, good, their goodness of what they've done. But the Bible says there's none good. There's none righteous, no, not one. We, we have all sinned. We are, we are all enslaved. We are all slaves of, of, our, of our sin nature. And see, there's, not, there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. That, that's what makes our predicament so dangerous. We, we, we can't stand up and say, well, I'll fix this. I'll, I'll take care of this. And that, that's what you see a lot in, in men and in religion and different things. It's man's way to try to solve their sin condition without God. It doesn't work that way. There's, no, there's nothing we can do to fix our, our sin condition. The Passover story in the Old Testament was a foreshadowing of Jesus and God's plan of salvation for the entire human race. You've got to get this in your mind for just a second. That, that that event in the Old Testament wasn't just like some insignificant whatever event. That, that, was, that was God giving us the, the plan and the message and the way of salvation that God was going to save the entire race, the entire world. Was, was, God was announcing it. God was announcing it in advance to what he was going to do. It's just incredible when you look at this. And, and, and for me, I look at that, and I, it's like God had his eye on me. I, and we, talk, we sang today in the, in the worship set, the faithfulness of God. God was faithful. God didn't forget. He cele- the Israelites celebrated the Passover, and 1,500 years later, Christ was crucified. God didn't forget. God was faithful. He was so faithful to us. He's faithful to us today. Amen. John 1.29 says, The next day, John, that's John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So the first thing we see here is we make the connection of Jesus and the, the, Passover, the Passover celebration in, in the book of Exodus is Jesus is our Passover Lamb. Jesus is the Passover Lamb. Make no mistake about it. The Lamb that the Lord had instructed the Israelites to slaughter, the lamb that the Lord had instructed the Israelites to go select, that lamb was Jesus Christ. It represented the lamb of God. That, that's who he was. And what, what, did, what, did, what did the Lord tell the Israelites? Go, go select a lamb that was what? Without defect. What was Jesus Christ? The Bible says that Jesus Christ was perfect and without sin. He was the sinless sacrifice. He was the lamb without defect, the, the perfect and spotless lamb, the Bible says. Jesus was the only one worthy to satisfy God's requirement as the sacrifice or the payment for our sins. That's why we say, well, I'll die for my sins. You can't die for your sins. You're a sinner. It, it had to be a perfect sacrifice, someone that was without sin, that God would take the sins of the world and, and, and exchange and place those sins on his son, a perfect sacrifice. Only Jesus qualified. Only Jesus Christ was worthy. That's why we sing, worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God. Only Christ was worthy. Thank God he was worthy. Thank you, Jesus, that, that, you, that you were worthy to sacrifice yourself for us, um, to, to die for us. See, only Jesus satisfied that, that, that requirement. But the other thing that's significant about Christ is it wasn't that he was just worthy. Someone had to be willing Someone had to be willing. 
The, the son had to be obedient, the Bible says. The, the Bible says that Christ learned obedience. He was God's son. The Bible says he didn't have to die. The father asked the son to die. And what did Jesus say? Not my will, but your will be done. He was willing. So not only was he worthy, but he was willing to go. Thank you, Jesus. You were willing to die. You, you were willing to go for us. Why? Because he knew that the death of one man would bring salvation for the entire world. He was excited to do so. That, that should make us excited about the things that God has done for us. The lambs that the Israelites slaughtered represented the Lamb of God that would be slain 1,500 years later for the sin of the world. If that doesn't get you excited, nothing will get you excited. That, that, that event that took place in Exodus was, the, was, the, what, was what we're celebrating here today when we celebrate communion or the Lord's Supper. We're celebrating our Passover. Thank you, Jesus. We should be excited. God, God had all of this stuff in motion. It was, all a, it was all a perfect orchestrated plan that only God could orchestrate. Isn't that amazing? It's like, and I've heard Christians say before that the Old Testament isn't relevant. What do you mean the Old Testament isn't relevant? Everything in the New Testament ties back to the Old. They're, they're intertwined. They're connected. This gives us significance. To really And really, when you think about it, when we, when we celebrate communion, we, and we're going to look at this, we're celebrating the Passover. That's really what it is. It's not wrong to call it the Lord's Supper, but I believe it's, it's more appropriate to be called the Passover because that's what it is. That's, that's what you and I are celebrating. Then in 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So the next thing we see here is Jesus' blood purchased our redemption. This is so important for us to say. What, what did the Lord tell Moses? What, what did the Lord tell Moses? He said, ask the Israelites to take that hyssop branch and take that blood and place that blood on the door frames. And what did he say? My death angel is going to pass through. But what did the Lord tell him? When I see the blood, when I see the blood, what am I going to do? I'm going to pass over. I'm going to pass over that house. Guess what that is? When God sees the blood of Jesus Christ applied to your life, the Bible says the death, the penalty for our sin, God's going to pass over us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's the, it's the blood of Jesus. And see, when God sees the blood, not when God sees your religion, not when God sees your good works, when God sees the blood of Jesus, I don't care how many religions are out there. They're sacrificing themselves for false gods. They're beating themselves. They're cutting themselves. They're doing all these things, thinking that they can gain some kind of recognition with God. The only thing that you're going to gain recognition with God is the blood of Jesus Christ. When the, just like Moses, Moses said, God said, when I see the blood. When I see the blood. Not when I see David's sin or David's unrighteous. When I see the blood. I'm covered in the blood. We're blood. We're blood-bought people. We're covered in the blood of Jesus. That's what we are. That's not what the church, the tabernacle church believes. Well, what does your church believe? That's what God says. We're covered in the blood. Thank you, Jesus. We're covered in the blood. See, that blood was shed as a payment. 
That's, a, that's what the word redemption means. We've, we've been redeemed. We've been, the blood of Jesus purchased our redemption. It was the, it was the, it was the ransom. It was the price that only God would allow to, part, to, to buy sinful man back to God. We are redeemed by the blood. I've been redeemed. That's the song. I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. That, you've been redeemed. See, so when we start looking at it from this perspective, then there should be some jumping and shouting in here when we celebrate this. We should be excited about this. That's why I tell you, we celebrate the, we celebrate the Lord's Passover. Yes, it's somber in the sense that we have a recognition for God, but there should be excitement in this house. We, we should be excited about what God has done for us. We're celebrating what God has done for us. And it's, it's bigger than being, being slaves in Egypt. We are slaves to sin. There should be enthusiasm. We should be excited. And that's what Jesus said, do this as often as you want. We could do it every week, but guess what would happen if we did that? It would lose its significance. We would be like, oh, we're just doing it. So we'll do it 12 times a year. I, I think that's, that's, that's appropriate. We, but we, in, our, in our hearts and in our minds, we need to constantly remind ourselves as Christians, what did God do for us? This is so huge. The blood that was applied to the door frames of their homes is the blood of Jesus applied to us. That's what that represented. Now, do you think the Jews knew that? The Israelites knew that? They had no clue. They never knew what God, what God knew. They, knew. they didn't realize the lamb that they were slaughtered would one day be the lamb of God. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Without it, remain in a lost and enslaved condition. There's no, there's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. Not none. The Bible says in Hebrews, the blood of bulls and goats, they were a reminders of sins. They, they, were, they, were, they were reminding the, the people that you were a sinner, but guess what? It, guess what? The blood of bulls and goats could never remove the sin. <laughs> it, it reminded them that, guess what? You're a sinner. But guess what the blood of Jesus does? The blood of Jesus removes the sin. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. As far as the east is from the west, the Bible says, God has remembered our sins no more. We are forgiven in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. The blood of Jesus. That's what we celebrate. That's the celebration. That's, that's what we remember what God has done. See, there's power in the blood of Jesus. There's power. What does the song say? There's wonder, there's wonder working power in the blood. There's power in the blood. And then 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The next thing we see is death will pass over those in Christ. Death will pass over those in Christ. This is our salvation. The Passover in the Old Testament was a picture of the Passover that we experience in Jesus Christ. The, yes, this, this, flesh, this fleshly body is going to die, but the Bible says the spirit man, the soul in us that lives for eternity, is saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says the penalty of sin has been removed, and the death angel, the, the penalty of sin has been removed, and God is going to pass over those who will have the blood of Jesus in their bodies, co co covering them. Thank you, Jesus that the death angel will pass over us. When God sees us in Christ, death will pass over us. You know, praise God for our victory in Christ. You know, I've said this before, after this pandemic broke out, 
Man's greatest enemy is not COVID-19. Your greatest enemy is death. It's eternal death. It's a, it's, a, it's a spiritual eternal death of being separated from God forever. And the Bible says that in Jesus Christ, that, that penalty has been removed, that we have eternal life in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. God, Jesus is our Passover lamb. When the Lord sees the blood of Jesus, the sting of sin, which is death, will pass over us. Don't, don't you see, to me, the, the word Passover has more relevance than the Lord's Supper because it, 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 it describes and defines what God has done for us, that the blood of Jesus has been applied to us, that God has covered us with the blood of Jesus from the sacrifice of his son on the cross, and now death does what? It passes over us. We're not going to die because we're in Christ, not because I'm a good person, because I have Jesus Christ in my life. That's something to get excited about. See, just as God would not permit the death angel to kill the Israelites, he would not let the penalty of sin harm those in Christ. God is so good to us. This is so, I mean, when you think, you think about this, that, that here we are in 2022, we're looking at an event that happened 15 years prior to the crucifixion, and we're, we're, we're over 2,000 years removed from the crucifixion, yet you and I are still sitting here today in 2022 remembering something that happened all the way back in the book of Exodus. That blows my mind. That that was God's plan of salvation. That, that without a doubt, I believe that the, 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 the deliverance of the nation of Israel from the Egyptian bondage was the most significant event in the Old Testament. And the most significant event in the New Testament was the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And both of those two are connected. They're, they're connected to one another. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And, and I believe for me and for you as a believer, it gives me more understanding and significance of what God has done for me when I study the Passover. I don't know about you, but for me it does. I, I can read the New Testament. I can see that Jesus died and all that kind of stuff. But when I... When I, when I reinforce that with, with the Passover, what, like the original, what, what, what this thing originated from, where it came from, to me that just gives a deeper meaning and appreciation of what God, man, God loves you. That what, is, what does the Bible say? For God so loved, for God so loved the world that he gave. His one and only son, a spotless lamb, without defect, without blemish. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Why? Why would you do that? Because you loved us. God loved us that much. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And that's what I was sharing before, when I was emphasizing the significance of the blood on the doorpost of the Israelites' homes and also the blood of Jesus on us, God's not going to see your good works. You know, maybe you are, most of us are good people. We, we, we do good things. But what the Bible says right here in Ephesians, it is the gift of God, not by works. In other words, there's nothing, I, I can't earn this. I, can't, I, I can go feed the poor. If I, if I was Bill Gates, I could give away billions and billions of dollars to go, to go help people in other far, uh, you know, famished lands and all that kind of stuff. That's all good. But that's not, that's not, that's not going to save you. Faith in Christ. 
alone in the blood of Jesus Christ is going to save you. We must surrender ourselves to him as Lord. We, we, surrender, we surrender this. That's the other thing about the Bible and about the crucifixion of Christ and all the things that God has done for us. God has done all these things for us, but guess what he does? He leaves it up to you and I to make the decision whether we want to do it or not, whether we want to receive it. That blows me away too, that God would do so much, that he would allow his son to sacrifice so much, but it's left up to me whether or not I want to choose it. And, and I'm glad he did that way because that's, a, that's, that's called our free will. We have a free will. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a robot. I'm not programmed to, to say, God, I'm going to program you to do this. God gives me a free will, and I enjoy my free will. I'm, 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 I'm thankful for that. And then we repent, and we, just, we, we, we come to Christ, we confess our sins, we confess that we are, we have that sin nature, we confess those things before God, and then we, we, we turn away, we say, God, I, I turn. I, I, that's what repentance is. We, 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 we make a, we, a 180, we, we turn around and we go, in, we go in another direction, and we say, Jesus, I'm going to serve you now. I'm not, doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect, but I'm surrendering. I'm surrendering my will and my life. Um, to your control. So before we take the, the Passover, I'm call it the Lord's Supper, the Passover, um, I want to give an invitation for salvation because really when we, when we celebrate communion and we, we take this here like we do once a month, it really is something that believers do. You know, it's, 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 we're celebrating something that we've, in other words, Christ, God has done this through Christ, but it really hasn't had an impact on me until I receive it. The Bible says, to many, to many who, has, who has received him, received Christ, to them he gave the right to become the sons of God. So it, it doesn't really have an impact or make a difference in your life unless you've received that. So when we receive Christ, then what do we do? We celebrate. We, we celebrate um, what, what Christ has done. So before we, we, we take communion here this morning, I just want to give an invitation for salvation. And there may be someone here. You know, you're listening to me speak this message. I'm going all the way back to the Old Testament in the book of Exodus and bringing it to the cross of Christ. And you might be thinking, well, you know what? I believe that's, that's for me, but I've never really accepted that. I've never confessed Christ. I've never believed in Jesus. I've never, you know, just prayed to God to come into my heart and to forgive me. But I want to do that this morning. That, that may be someone in here that's never done that. So that's you today. I just want to give just a, just a moment here. We're just going to take a moment and you might say, you know what, that's me this morning. I, I, need, to, I need to receive this, this great salvation, because that's what it is. It's a great salvation. And the Bible says, how can you escape if you neglect such a great salvation? There's no escape. There's none. It's only in Christ, the blood. Jesus is the gate. He, he's the door for us to get back to God. So if that's you this morning, you, just, you can just, just maybe get up from where you're at and come join me here in the front. I know that's pretty bold, but Jesus was real bold for us. He hung, he hung on the cross and died for us. And you might say, you know what, I, want you, I just want you to pray with me today. I want to I receive Christ as my Savior um, before, before I leave here. So if there's anybody here this morning, you've never done that, just give you a moment just to make that decision, and we'll move on.